African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. It's 11 o'clock Central African time and uh, good morning and welcome to yet another interactive installment of African Dialogue. You tuned in to Channel Africa from the African perspective. I'm your host, Asanda Matsaunyane, and we are currently on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. We're also on DSTV Audio Bouquet Channel 802. So let's get to the uh, dialogue of today. South Africa's governing African National Congress's previous four policy conferences have given a very good indication of what the policy resolutions will be at the national conferences that follow. While decisions at the National Policy Conference were not binding and subject to approval by the December National Elective Conference, Factional divides prevented firm outcomes on many issues of contention, such as land without compensation, white monopoly capital, and the suggestion that going forward the loser of the party's presidential race be an automatic deputy president. To look at what really transpired at the ANC Policy Conference, we are now joined on the line by Moelet Zimbegi, who is a political economist. Uh, a very good morning to you, Moelet. Uh, good morning, my well, thank you for making time to chat to us. And, and maybe we should start just by unpacking what the National Policy Conference is actually about. What does it mean in, in terms of, uh, you know, the movement towards the December National Elective Conference? Well, the, the policy conference are, uh, is supposed to be where the ANC sounds out the branches as to what uh, policies, what they think of various policies. But this is not really quite spontaneous. Uh, the ANC leadership writes a number of papers on a whole array of things from uh, how to strengthen the organization, how to uh, transform the economy, how to solve unemployment, what to do about education. So a huge number of papers is sent out to ANC uh, branches which are written by the leadership and there are questions asked, you know, uh, what do you think of this, what do you think of that, and so on. So the, the, the ANC members uh, in the, at the branches then come up with their points of view in connection with the, with the issues raised in the paper. And that's what the policy conference is about. It, it then gives the membership, uh, the delegates from the branches, an opportunity to, to, to say their point of view about in connection with the papers that they have been given. So, so that's what it is. But these are really only recommendations. The only is the main elective conference which is held in December that actually makes a decision on what is policy and what is not uh, policy. So these are recommendations that go to the main elective conference in December. So because these are merely recommendations, would you say then from what we've heard that the debates were robust enough? Well, it's very difficult because they kept the media out of the commissions, which is really where the, uh, where the, the discussion took place. So it's difficult for 
us on the media side to or on the research side to 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 say definitely that it was robust or, or not robust. Mm. The policy conference, uh, Moeletzi, took place at a time when the ANC support base is dwindling uh, and having lost uh, key metros in the local government elections. From what you've heard uh, in the commissions, does it indicate to you that these support uh, losses would be reversed? Well, um, this is a very long story, the the, the story of loss of of the major metropolitan cities uh, of, of the ANC, the loss of majority by the ANC, it, 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 it's not easily reversed. If, if you give me just one minute to explain, mm. what, is, what we see happening in South Africa is what happened in many, many other African countries. Mm. I, know, I know South Africans like to think that they are unique, they are special, uh, different from Africa. Actually, we are not. We are other African countries. What has happened, and I'll give you the illustration of, of Zambia and Zimbabwe, what has happened in South Africa, is that in Africa generally, is that after, the, after independence, after the end of colonialism, there's a huge spirit of expectation, mm. especially of economic transformation, of economic change. This economic change does not happen. But in the first few years, uh, because of the optimism and the risk, and the removal of restrictions that the, the colonialists imposed, in our case in South Africa, for example, the removal of sanctions, then the economy grows. So people think that there has been a change in policy. Actually, there has not been a change in, in economic policy. And once the, these changes work their way through, which may take 8 years, 10 years, 15 years, people then start asking, but my life hasn't changed. Mm. And, and the first part of the community that uh, raises this question are the people in the urban areas, especially in the big cities, because they are the people who don't have land and therefore everything they, they consume they have to buy for cash. With the farmers it's a bit different because they can grow their own cabbage and so on. So the impact takes a bit more time. So what has happened in South Africa is exactly what happened, for example, in Zimbabwe where after 15 or so years of ZANU-PF rule, when there was actually no restructuring of the economy, the urban areas voted against liberation movement in the the Zimbabwe case, uh, ZANU-PF. So this is exactly the same thing that we are seeing in South Africa. After 20 years of ANC rule, there has been no restructuring of the economy, uh, the common economy is still a hugely high unemployment economy Uh, and so the people started saying now what are we getting from the ANC government and so they voted against it in the big metropolitan areas which are Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, Johannesburg, Ekuruleni and Pretoria. That's where our major metropolitan uh, metros uh, are. That's what has happened in South Africa. So the, the ANC has no answer to that because uh, we are sitting on unemployment of nearly a third of the working age population in South Africa is unemployed. And this unemployment has been growing, but it has been high anyway since 1993. Uh, and the ANC has failed to address this issue. 
and now people are voting against it uh, and supporting two of the main parties, which is the Democratic Alliance and a breakaway party from the ANC, which is the Economic Freedom Fighters. We're going to continue with our chat after we take uh, this short break, talking to Mulet Zimbeki, who is a political economist here on African Dialogue, uh, talking or uh, just unpacking the African National Congress's National Policy Conference. My name is Asanda Matsaunyane, just gone 16 minutes past 11 Central African time. Stay tuned to Channel Africa. Change Your Game is a program dedicated to SMEs and entrepreneurs on the African continent. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We're coming to you from Johannesburg, South Africa. It is a weekly entrepreneurial program that targets entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs on the African continent. Before we even, you know, talk about the journey, please tell me what an entrepreneurologist is. <laughs> well, that's a question that I get um, everywhere I go. Catches every Friday at 1000 hours Central African time and Saturday at 1300 hours Central African time. Change your game, empowering the next generation of outstanding African entrepreneurs. Central African time. Welcome back to African Dialogue, discussing the African National Congress's National Policy Conference with Mwele Zimbegi, a political economist. I'm Asanda Matzaunyane. Remember, you can tweet us at Channel Africa is our handle. You can uh, SMS plus 2779-695-7930 with your views. Find us on Facebook as well. Uh, That's uh, Channel Africa. Before we took uh, the the break, Mwele Zimbegi, we were talking about how the ANC has failed in terms of economic transformation, uh, yet you know some of the main uh, points that uh, e- e- uh, were raised or that came out of the national uh, policy conference on the economic front were to speed up uh, the implementation of wealth tax and then also to start a state bank. In your view, these two points, how can they work or how can they fail? Well, first let's start uh, with, with, with the issue of, of the wealth tax. Uh, Many people think South Africa is richer than it actually is. So the the number of rich people in South Africa, if I can just give you a figure, people who earn more than 60,000 rands a year, a month, sorry, in South Africa, the number of people who earn more than 60,000 rands a month is is 100,000 people. Now, 60,000 rands uh, is approximately $5,000 a month. So people who earn $5,000 and above is, is only 100,000 people. So if you're going to impose a wealth, a wealth tax, who are you going to tax? Only 100,000 people. Hmm. And how is that going to solve your poverty problem for, for 55 million South African citizens? So it really it shows lack of understanding of the nature of the economy of, of South Africa. A hundred thousand people cannot support fifty five million people. So that that is the second thing about the government bank. The South African government has lots of banks. It has a land bank, 
It has an industrial development corporation. It has the Development Bank of Southern Africa, and so on. So the, the notion that that, the, that we need another, it, it owns the Reserve Bank despite uh, the South African Reserve Bank, despite the few uh, private shareholders who are, who are in there. So the South African government has banks, and, and one of its banks, in fact, is reported in the newspapers today, the Industrial Development Corporation, is on the verge of losing 20 million or 90 million rands on the delisting of, of one of the, uh, of Oak Bay, one of the Gupta Brothers companies. So, so it's not that we have a shortage of state-owned banks. In fact, the land bank, which is supposed to finance agriculture, went bankrupt in the hands of the ANC government a few years ago. Hmm. It went into liquidation because of mismanagement. So, so, so it shows again, you know, as I point out, people don't have the sad thing about the policy conferences is that the people who are in these conferences don't have enough information, and the ANC leadership deliberately keeps information away for them from them, and wants and allows them to go on these wild goose chases. Uh, because they don't have the information. So in the, at the end of the day, they have no impact on ANC policy because they come up with ideas that are totally unimplementable or they come up with ideas which are irrelevant because they are already being implemented, if you see what I mean. Mm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the land bank as agriculture being you know, the driver or the major driver of uh, economies, especially if we look at it uh, in the African context generally. And South Africa being behind, I mean, in terms of our agricultural production and, and exporting. So what can the role of uh, the land bank be then in one of the other uh, policies that emerged from the National Policy Conference of the expropriation of land? We know that it's, you know, the land bank has kind of come on board in a way, working with, you know, uh, bodies like Standard Chartered to, to you know, relief or to give relief uh, in terms of funding on drought, which has been a major uh, setback in the South African context, what role can the land bank play in the expropriation of land, and how can this be done in such a way that it's not going to either stagnate or send us backwards, but make us move forward? Well, you know, the, 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 the land bank, as I pointed out, it went insolvent itself in the hands of the, of the, of the ANC government. But one of the major problems of agriculture in South Africa is insecurity of of land tenure, insecurity of tenure. So the commercial farmers have no security of tenure because the government is passing laws that threaten the ownership and the commercial viability of commercial farms. So it doesn't matter whether your banker is private or state-owned. If the security of your farm is not guaranteed, then the bank will not lend you money because it has no security because your land could be taken away from it. So this is the mega pro- the major problem we're faced with. For example, the government passed a law the other day called regulation of commercial, uh, uh, commercial agricultural land act. Now, this passes the, the decision-making on how to manage a farm effectively to the government. So the government decides how farms should be managed. 
Now, they have no expertise in how to manage a commercial farm, but they pass a law. And therefore, if I'm a bank, I'm not going to lend a farmer the money when the decisions about the commercial viability of that farm are made by some bureaucrat who knows nothing about agriculture. Hmm. We welcome on the line now uh, Alex Mohubitwane Mashillo, who is SACP National Spokesperson. A very good morning to you, Alex. Good morning to you and to the listeners and to Comrade Mbegi that side. Let's just dwell a little bit on this issue of agriculture because I just really feel strongly about agriculture in terms of how it can turn things around in our economy, uh, Alex. I don't know if you uh, took some of what Moile uh, Tsimpegi uh, was talking about there in terms of the land bank and its uh, uh, you know, contribution to the, 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 the debate. But you know, when we talk about expropriation of land, how realistic is this to you, especially given the points that uh, Moilitz is making about you know, the fact that there is a commercial farmer in South Africa who's now being sidelined and the emerging farmer does not really have that experience that they need. What are your views there? Uh, the issue of uh, production in, is inextricably linked to land. There are the point that Sambeki uh, made is valid. It must not be dismissed. It has to be taken into consideration. There is a framework established in our constitution. That framework has the It calls on the state to a law of general action to guide that particular process. Well, very important. Uh, Alex, your line is very bad. I don't know if you are able to just uh, stand still where you are. Yes, I'm able to. Let me just go out. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, that's much better. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying the point made by Mr. Mbeki that uh, is a valid point. It must not be dismissed. Mm. It uh, must be taken into consideration. Uh, what is important is that our constitution lays down a framework of land redistribution, including, in fact, a framework of expropriation. So as long as uh, we are able to give certainty in terms of policy on what we are able to do on a long-range basis and uh, do it so that uh, we are able to win the confidence of those who would like to invest, but at the same time redistributing land based on production. In other words, building capacity of the people who land is given to, so that the land ends up uh, should not end up uh, unused. Is the African National Congress naive in its uh, approach to this issue? Unfortunately, we are an ally of the ANC. I'm not in a position to really say it is naive or otherwise. Uh, the ANC will be, you know, uh, assembling its resolutions from the National Policy Conference. We will take things from there. We do have some different nuances in terms of our approach on land, but nothing is more important than following the law in anything that we are to do. 
Moelitz, if you can just come in here, uh, one of the, you know, maybe if I can mention two other points that emerged as one of, the, as, you know, the main points from the National Policy Conference was number one, youth employment and skills development. And then on the same breath, uh, the ANC wants to extend child grants from 18 to 21. Why extend child grants if we're saying you're going to tackle the issue of youth employment? Is it because the ANC doesn't believe that they can achieve youth employment? Well, um by the way, I couldn't hear the, the, the conversation with your other panelists because there, there, there is a, a cross line or some other broadcaster feeding into my, uh, into my phone. Anyway, uh, on, the, on the question of extending a child grant from, uh, to up to 18 years old is an old issue for the ANC. This was raised a long time ago. It's not a new policy. Uh, obviously, the, the ability of the economy to absorb the unemployed young people is, uh, is very, very limited. In South Africa, unemployment amongst youth, i.e. people aged between 15 years old and 24 years old, is 52%. So that's a very big group which a subsidy to employers to intern and uh, some of these youth won't even scratch the surface given the size of, of unemployment in that age group. So the, the South African government is trying to address the poverty uh, within this group by, by raising the, 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 uh, the social grant up to the age 18. But but really, this will not address the, the problem of poverty and unemployment. It's a band-aid. It's a plaster on a, on a huge gaping wound in the political economy of South Africa. Is it not an oxymoron, though, to, to say let's extend child grants, but then we're also saying let's tackle youth employment or youth unemployment? Not really. Uh, I mean, the, it, it has had some impact, the, the question of motivating employers to, to hire uh, young people. But as I point out, this unemployment in this age group is huge. So, so actually, and, and employment in South Africa is not growing in the formal sector economy. Employment is not growing. It's only growing in the government sector. So hmm. these are the contradictions that you are faced with. Yeah, talking to Alex Mohubitswane Mashilo, SACP national spokesperson, and Moilet Zimbeki, a political economist, unpacking the African National Congress's National Policy Conference here on African Dialogue. My name is Asanda Matsaunyane, just gone half past 11 Central African time. We're going to take a break and continue with our chat after this. The world remains beset by so much human suffering poverty and deprivation. It is in your hands to make of our world a better one for all. From July 18, raise your hand and make a dedicated effort to keep helping others in any way you can. Make every day a Mandela Day. It is in your hands to make a difference. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711.
Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Welcome back to our chat here on African Dialogue, uh, dissecting the African National Congress's National Policy Conference with Alex Mhubitwane Mashillo, SACP National Spokesperson, and Moile Zimbegi, a political economist. My name is Asanda Mazaunyane. Remember, African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time, and we welcome your interaction with us. Touch us uh, on uh, Twitter at Channel Africa is our handle and uh, Facebook as well. Alex, let me come to you then on the issue of uh, free education for the poor, which has emerged as being one of the main uh, points uh, of uh, discussion or of uh, uh, recommendation from the National Policy Conference. Is South Africa ready for free education? South Africa is ready for free education, but no impression must be given that can be implemented at a stroke. I'm sure you are aware that in technical education and training colleges, Students who qualify for the National Student Financial Aid Scheme, who pass their studies, do not pay back that money. It is converted into a bursary. That is a form of free post-school education, free, uh, free post-school education. Already it is there. At the school level, we have got the policy of no fee-paying schools. We also have the school feeding system policy. At higher education, uh, it is a matter of uh, uh, continuously expanding access, taking into consideration the fiscal and national planning. All priorities have got to be put on the table, and state revenue is going to be very important. There is a point raised by uh, Mr. Mbeki about employment and uh, making sure that the economy is very strong enough to be able to provide for the things we say the state must provide. That is absolutely critical. Mm. And your view, Moelitsi, uh, especially when we spoke earlier about the, you know, speeding up the implementation of wealth tax and, you know, how your views around that were the fact that, you know, there's only 60,000 or rather 100,000 uh, people who would, you know, be uh, taxed for this wealth tax, uh, meaning that, you know, in South Africa, the wealth are not that big of a number. So is free education for poor something that can be achieved in our society? Well, you know, the South African government's uh, budget uh, is very large. As a percentage of gross domestic product, uh, is, is one of the, of the largest in the world. But there are many aspects to our education system, one of which money actually I don't think is the key problem because we have a fairly sizable private education sector where those who can afford pay for the education of their, of their own children. So it is the relatively not so well-off population that use state, uh, state schools. But, but one of the problems with the state school is the quality of the education that, that they produce. So it's not just a question of the financing and of the numbers, and the, it's the quality of the education that, that is being given uh, in, in the state schools. On that issue of education, the delegates at the conference spoke about political education, and that's something that has been there after former President Kalama Mutlante uh, decided to, to head that structure. Would you say that political education has been continuous in the ANC? 
Well, I, I'm not aware. Yes, uh, Mutlante was supposed to set up a political education institute for the ANC. Now, not not for the country, for ANC members. Uh, the last time I talked to him a few months ago, the, this had not happened. So I'm not aware that there is any political education that the ANC uh, is, has made provision for, for its members. What would this serve, in your view? Would it be an important thing? Well, well you, you see, it's, it's a matter for a political party. You know, as uh, political parties in, the, in South Africa are classified as private organizations. So it's really up to the private organizations if they are setting up their private education, political uh, education institutions, what they teach. The government cannot control the syllabuses and the curriculums of such institutions. However, uh, government schools as well as uh, private schools in South Africa, their curriculum is controlled by the government, and, and they have to be accredited to, 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 the, to, the, to the government. So a, a political education school by a party, uh, whatever its quality may be, nobody will know at the end other than the party itself. And there's no, there would be no verification of the quality of such an education. Yeah, and one wonders what the topics of discussions or, or modules would be in well, there. Well, you can only imagine what <laughs> they would be, white monopoly capital and so on. Yeah, and let's talk about white monopoly capital. Alex, if you can just come in there. The, the majority of delegates at the policy conference rejected the concept of white monopoly capital. So what would be the proponents of this concept uh, if they were to be put forward, uh, especially looking forward to the December elective conference? Alex? Please repeat the question. I didn't get it very well. The majority of delegates at the policy conference rejected the concept of white monopoly capital. But if we can just focus on that concept of white monopoly capital, what would be some of the proponents of this concept put forward? Uh, I cannot unfortunately speak on behalf of those who were pushing the concept. Let me just explain it from a point of view of the Communist Party. Mm because the Communist Party coined the notion in its 1962 program as a shorthand to white monopoly capitalism. The development of capitalist relations in South Africa was based on creating a monopoly for white capitalists Mm. and preventing other people from developing as capitalists, especially from the group of the African people or the national group of the African people, if I were to use that uh, phrase borrowed from the Freedom Charter. Over time, what has happened in South Africa is that the capitalists predominantly became white. But as the ANC uh, agreed with the SACP in its 1969 strategy and tactics document. The ANC recognized that in the economy of South Africa, there is an enormous stake by capitalists from other countries. Then it identified the United States, Britain, France, Japan, and Germany was divided into two, the West and the East. The ANC identified West 
Germany. There can be no doubt that post-1994, as a result of at least three processes, the first process was the ending of, apart, uh, of sanctions that were targeted at apartheid. The second process was the, collab, uh, the, uh, the dissolution of the Soviet Union, leading to the rise of what many scholars call neoliberal globalization. And the third process was South African, the new South African government going out to recruit foreign direct investment in the country. So foreign stake in the economy of the country has massively increased and penetrated since 1994. If I were to give you examples, I used to work in an engineering department in the automotive assembly sector in South Africa. All automotive assembly companies in South Africa are not locally owned. 78% of their suppliers are also not locally owned. Over time, the SACP shifted from the notion of white monopoly capital to the perspective of private monopoly capital. Now, what should happen is that when you identify or you characterize your country, the characterization that you adopt must reflect the realities. Because some of the people who were pushing the notion of white monopoly capital were actually doing so in defense of the Kuptas who had captured, you know, massive tracks of state procurement, particularly state-owned enterprises, as now exposed in the many emails that have been released publicly, but also as exposed in the public protectors report called the state of capture. They were doing this in order to divert attention from the shenanigans or associated with what the SACP calls the brazen smash and grab uh, accumulation regime associated with the family of the Guptas and the networks of individuals and families uh, associated with them. But I must say there are others who uh, due to lack of political education, uh, jumped into the bandwagon and adopted the, uh, the, the notion without actually assessing it. Because as we know, capital is money. Capital is, uh, uh, exists in the form of tools. It exists in the form of machines. It exists in the form of machinery. It exists in the form of factories and so forth. Strictly speaking, you cannot say the money is white or the machines are white, etc., etc. And capital is not merely a thing. Uh, like the 10 rand that I have in my pocket now, I cannot count it as capital. Capital is that which is in the process of making more money. So they, they, they pushed for the idea, some naive without having actually assessed as to what it means. There is a difference between capital and the capitalist. Mm. Yes, they are white capitalists. Yes, they are black capitalists. Yes, they are Indian capitalists uh, like uh, the Guptas. Yes, they are Asian and so forth. Yes, Standard Bank has been purchased, for example, by a bank or from China or a stake in that bank, etc. So that notion did not appreciate 
the realities prevailing in South Africa. But I must say what is important. Mm. What is important in South Africa at this current moment is a policy that will bring on board the historically marginalized people of South Africa into ownership and control in the that can be done in at least three ways firstly expanding state ownership on behalf of the people as a whole and defending it from corruption corporate capture and rent seeking dealing with corruption severely secondly organizing our people for example in the form of cooperatives to foster and promote social forms of ownership or collective management those are, and of course, during this particular period, we do need uh, black business people like uh, Mwele Zimbeki who can play a role in developing industry. The fact of the matter is that you cannot stand, as we speak right now, on the rooftop of your house and say, since 1994, that is the industry that our democratic transition developed locally made. We are so running we are out of time, Alex, and I just want to get Moelitsa um, to, to come in as well. In, in closing, what do you make of the suggestions that the party's NEC be reduced from uh, 80 to 40 or 65, Moelitsa? Well, I really, I don't think it will make any difference to the, to, to the ANC's operations or to the ANC's policies or its philosophies. What gets forgotten is that the ANC is an old party uh, it has had objectives over, uh, it has developed its objectives over many years, uh, and the, the ambition of the ANC has not changed very much during the last hundred years, and that is to promote black consumption and to get rid of racial discrimination. It is the ANC's policies today. Uh, it was the ANC's policies in the 1950s, so, so it hasn't changed very much. Yeah. I hear what Alex is saying, that we must expand state ownership. We have a massive number of state-owned companies in, in, in South Africa that we inherited from the apartheid regime. Many, many of, the, of these companies live on subsidies from the taxpayers. They are not freestanding. They live on huge loans and so on and so forth. Unfortunately, so, we are out of time. That's a topic for another day. Yeah, you know, we definitely need to continue, even with this t- uh, particular topic, because Alex, I also wanted to ask you, because you are at the SACP Policy Conference, uh, we wanted to find out, you know, if uh, any of the ANC uh, Policy Conference will be feeding into that, but we are unfortunately out of time. So, But thank you so much again to the both of you gentlemen for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Alex Muhubitwane Mashilo, SACP National Spokesperson, and Mwele Zimbegi, a political economist. There.